0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Got a good night's sleep after the game on Thursday, so I am ripping and ready to go to talk about this uh, game between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers. And uh, for the second time this year, the Bears get a win at home. And for the second time this year, it wasn't sexy, but it got the job done. And um, you know, it actually this game isn't is is closer than it should have been if not for one mistake very early on in the game that made me very nervous. You hear it all in the knee jerk reactions because we won, and we get nice things when we win, like knee jerk reactions and uh, and everything else. So we got bear up and bear down and all the rest of it. So let's get started. This is the Week 10 Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Cloaked in the failure that is, those abomination orange helmets and jerseys, our beloved Chicago Bears took the field at home after two losses on the road uh, to the uh, Chargers and the Saints. Uh, we looked increasingly better against the Saints than we did against the Chargers, but those five turnovers that we had in the game ended up being the death now because we turned the ball over five times. We still only lost by one score. That's that sucks. That that really kind of falls in line with what I was saying about how this was a winnable stretch of games that just ended. You know, starting with the with the Raiders, the Chargers, the Saints, and the uh, well, actually starting the week before with the Vikings. The Vikings, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Saints, and then with the Panthers. In that five games, we went two and three, which isn't horrible. You know, we're three and seven right now, but you know what looks better? Five and five. Because, this, you know, I say that, like, the Chargers game is truly the one game that we should have lost because we just did not play well. The Chargers really blew us off the field. In the Vikings game, it was the defensive touchdown. That we gave up in the Saints game, it was the turnovers uh, that we could not stop uh, giving up there, and uh, you know, yeah, what a what a disaster that was, you know. So it's like I, this was a stretch we could have easily gone four and one, but for all the mistakes that this team is prone to make, with you know, not only just turnovers but penalties and uh, and things like that, and you know, Getsey really screwed us with his game plan. Uh, against the Vikings after being masterful against the Broncos and the Commanders, Justin Fields eight touchdowns, one interception, almost you know eight hundred yards, you know seven seven hundred yards passing in those two games, somewhere in that area, uh, uh, and everything. You know, it's, we we come out looking like we're surprised that the like the 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 Vikings are are blitzing eighty percent of the time for the first time this year. It's like. Yeah, not like everybody knew that this was what Flores was going to dial up for us. So, yeah, thumbs up to Luke Getze on that one. So, the, uh, I don't want to say the easy stretch, but the winnable stretch was. We really could have turned the season around. You know, we went two and three uh, in those five games with wins over the Raiders and against the Panthers. Um, the the Panthers one was the one that I think we all knew we were going to get. And, you know, If the the Saints win was attainable, the the Chargers one was attainable, we just didn't show up for that one. And we got that win over the Raiders. We should have beaten the Vikings the week before. You know, the defense played well enough to win the game, but even like Thursday's game, it was something that was out of their hands that ended up costing them the game. You know, we only the defense only gave up twelve points, but the offense gave away a free touchdown, and that ended up being the difference in the game. The defense only gave up six points in this game against the Panthers, but because of an early special teams gaffe where we are allowed our first punt return, and I don't know how long this game ended up being a sixteen to thirteen nail biter because of a touchdown that the Panthers did not earn on offense. You know, it wasn't on our defense that you know that there were thirteen points scored uh, against us. So it's it's things like that that have kind of been the death knell for the Bears. Uh, this year and there's always an, a, a new and different way that they find uh, to uh, to make things difficult uh, for themselves or in most cases to end up just costing them the game uh, period. thankfully that did not happen here tonight but uh, you know it, it just it, I was not feeling good about this after the first quarter. I just uh, you know went in I was talking about like my keys to the game and what was the first one that I talked about you hear me talk about it here in the reaction in a bit but uh you know as i said in the in the open it uh you know for the second time looking you know much like the the raiders game it wasn't sexy we're not going to get any style points for this one but the defense much like it did against the raiders holds our opponent to six points they got what i would consider a garbage touchdown because that damn punt return and uh You know, the offense, on the other hand, wasn't sexy. And, uh, you know, but it was enough to get it done. And we knew because when we talked to uh, Rashad Beard uh, earlier this week that, uh, you know, that D.C., the defensive coordinators of theirs, has got these guys playing really, really good football. The guy is an excellent coordinator. He's a good game planner. And uh, he bottled the Bears up fairly well. Not as much as he would have liked because he gave up that one touchdown in the third quarter, but uh, this game was a lot closer uh, than it should have been. And not that Justin Fields is Superman, but I wonder what we would have been able to do if Fields was there. We'd have had a little bit more of a dynamic going on with the running game and then obviously uh, Fields' arm strength to kind of push the ball uh, down the field because this did not turn out to be the DJ Moore uh, revenge game, even though he was our leading receiver with five catches and 58 yards it was a far cry from the eight catches and 230 and three touchdowns that he got against the commanders uh five weeks ago so let's go ahead and dive into this we got the first quarter knee-jerk reaction and as I said with the way that the first quarter went the punt return for the touchdown the offense not looking good Bajan throwing the ball all over the place it was I wasn't optimistic after the first quarter uh, of uh, of play with the uh, with the Bears and the Panthers. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Panthers, and it's Bears doing exactly what I told them not to do. They gave the Panthers a ray of light. They gave them an opportunity to believe in themselves, and they're playing inspired football as we close out the first quarter. They went ahead. Bajan's been terrible on offense so far, throwing balls all over the place. And it's not really so much that he's under, you know, intense pressure or anything. He's just making bad throws right now. Deontay Foreman's running the ball fairly well. We have a field goal. We put a decent drive together finally on our third try. Cairo Santos made one from 54 yards out. But prior to that, the ray of sunshine that we gave to the Panthers, we allowed a punt return for a touchdown. I can't remember the last time the Bears let a punt return go for a touchdown. It put them up 7 nothing. We had the field goal, and now Bryce Young is throwing daggers all over the field. They're inside the red zone. They're in danger of scoring on us again. And if they score and go up 14-3, to with the way that we're playing on offense, that might be a wrap. So hopefully we get our you-know-what together and hold them hold to a field goal, keep it a one-score game, and we work from there. Like I said, they were playing – uh inspired football they after the the bears i believe it was after the after the bears field goal drive they come back and like i said bryce young you know had time in the pocket eber flus would not go after this kid i mean it wasn't that we didn't do that we didn't blitz the entire game but it just seemed like such a missed opportunity and his absolute just i know you want to be optimistic you want to believe in your guys, but it's obvious we can't get home with four. We can't do it. We can't do it. And it's—I mean, even with sweat, even with Ngakwe there, um, you know, it's—it's. It's, we've got guys that can rush the passer, and, and I don't want to know if what what the hell our defensive line coach is showing those guys what kind of stunts we aren't dialing up that we can, you know, not scheme somebody to get open. Uh, on a pass rush uh, or anything like that, but we are not getting home with four. It's just not happening, which is why you need to send an extra guy or two to force the issue uh, a little bit. You heard Rashad Beard tell us, it's like under pressure, he gets happy feet. You know, it's not so much that he's prone to a ton of interceptions, uh, you know, uh, coming into the game, he had eight in, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, seven interceptions in nine games is is not awful. You know, it's not good, but it's not awful. It's not like he's – he had more touchdowns than interceptions uh, coming into this one, and it's just – but it's like he has a tendency to make bad throws when he's under pressure, throwing off his back foot, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not so much that he can't handle the pressure. It's just that he's constantly under pressure. Well, the Bears didn't generate the pressure, and we were sitting back there and letting him heave the ball Uh, downfield. One of the last plays before the end of the quarter was Bryce Young hitting a receiver for 45 yards. I mean, a really nice throw on a rope just right over the shoulder, put the ball where only his receiver could get it put in perfect place, giving him just enough room to get his feet in before the sideline. Next thing you know, they're deep uh, in our territory and they're knocking on the door, uh, you know, for the first time on offense anyway. So, you know it was and that this was after giving up the uh the punt return and it was very much i'm sitting there watching this and in case you couldn't underst- uh, uh tell I was out uh watching the game uh met up with a with an old buddy of mine I had a great time uh catching up uh with him, so I didn't have the luxury of hearing the announcers or the context of the actual broadcast itself I was just watching uh the game and uh you know it just uh I was not happy uh, after uh, the first quarter, so I mean it was disappointing to sit there and watch us struggle that way on offense. Even though I knew we were going, we were up against at the very least a strong defensive coordinator because their best players are all on hurt or on injured reserve uh, with the Panthers. So I, I shudder to think what would have happened if a guy like Brian Burns was out there, if they had J.C. Horn uh, playing in this game, Jeremy Chin. Uh, was out there. It's like they're missing a lot of guys uh, in Carolina, and and I shudder to think with how well their defense played last night, as they were, what they would have looked like if they had who they want to have out there uh, on the field. But um, you know, like I said, Bajen was was inaccurate. He was you know floating balls over the over the head, or you know things landing at each at people's feet, and it it seemed like he always saved his worst throw for third down. There was one that should have been picked off because it it hit it ricocheted off of two Carolina Panthers before it even got close uh, to Cole Komet. Literally ricocheted off two guys on like third and three or something like that. He banked it off of two people uh, before it even got close to uh, Cole Komet. Should have been picked off by at least two different guys uh, before uh, it got there. But luckily he he finished on uh, he finished the night clean. No interceptions. Uh, for Bagent he's not going to make the bear up list for that because it wasn't pretty uh, either but uh, he made the throws he needed to make it's just that when we needed a third down early on to try to get something going offensively it just wasn't there it wasn't there so second quarter was a little bit different Uh, the defense tightened up a bit we got some more things going offensively but as our friend Rashad Beard told us You're going to have a lot of trouble actually getting into the end zone against this defense. Knee-jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears-Panthers, and the good news is we did hold the Panthers to a field goal on that drive that ended the first quarter, and our offense is struggling to close the deal. It's just like our our guest Rashad Beard told us that the the Panthers are a bend-but-don't-break kind of defense where... We'll be able to move the ball between the 20s, but we'll have a lot of trouble scoring touchdowns. Well, we've done that three times now in this game. We've got in striking distance to score a touchdown. And each time we've had to settle for a Cairo Santos field goal, as we just did at the end of the first half here. So it's 10 to 9 right now. The Panthers are on top. And, you know, Bryce Young looked like he was kind of getting to a stride, but the defense is really tightened up since that drive. He hasn't really been able to get going since then. The Bears problem, as I said, has been closing the deal and getting into the end zone. We'll see if some second-half adjustments can help out with that. We know Iberflus is notoriously awful at second-half adjustments, but fingers crossed we're playing a worse football team. Maybe it'll work out. But we're down 10-9. to 9. We'll see how it goes in the second half. Yeah. So optimistically pessimistic uh, my thoughts on our on our head coach being able to make the proper adjustments to uh, lead us to success uh, in the second half? Or, or you know, would Luke Getze be able to make the adjustments on offense to kind of close the deal uh, in that game? I mean, I'd, Santos's first field goal was from 54 yards out, so we weren't in the red zone uh, at that point. But I believe we were with the other uh, two drives, and especially the last one, I think it was a fairly short uh, field goal if i 'm not mistaken and uh you know it was uh you know as time expired yeah thirty nine yard field goal and the one prior to that was thirty six yards so yeah those are inside the red zone, both of those are or actually i think the thirty nine yarder would be that would be at the twenty one or twenty two yard line but that's basically in the red zone the this thirty six yarder yeah that's definitely in the red zone uh as well and eleven plays, thirty-five yards uh, on the on the thirty-six yard field goal. Nine plays, seventy yards on the thirty-nine uh, yard field goal. So we've got the ball. We've we ran nine plays in a minute twelve. Wow, <laughs> that's that's impressive. But you know, it's it's one of those things, and it was a. You know, you're just seeing that the, the the offense kind of breaks down in the red zone. Now, that's kudos to the Panthers for being able to do that. But in a game like this, in a game like this against a team like the Panthers, it's not so much that points are, are at a premium. I mean, they ended up being so uh, in this game. But when the offense of the Panthers is like it is, and they have as much trouble, if not more trouble scoring than we do, scoring touchdowns is monumentally important. Not that it isn't in any other game, but in a game like this, when you're playing a team like this, if one of those drives goes into the end zone for a touchdown, the game could have been over. So much We would have had the lead going into halftime. You know, God forbid we score both of them. It's 17 to 10 at halftime instead of 10 to 9. And then our touchdown in the third quarter, 24 to 10. That's ball game. You know, that's ball. There's no, I mean, it was over before. They weren't scoring another touchdown on us. The, the defense was actually on point yesterday. Got a few sacks out of the deal and everything. Couldn't have forced a turnover, though. That was something that we weren't able to pull off uh, yesterday. But, you know, you saw it happening in the second quarter. Just like Rashad Beard said, it would. You know, it's like you'll be able to move the ball between the 20s, but when you get into the red zone, they're fairly stingy uh, in the red zone. And it's it's difficult to score in the red zone, period. But the Panthers did a fairly good job last night of uh, approving Rashad right as far as, uh, you know, not giving up uh, the points. Uh, in the end zone, because we had at least three red zone trips and we only walked away with one touchdown. And that was the one that came uh, in the third quarter. But, you know, the Bears' defense did tighten up uh, in the second quarter, a little bit jo- better job of putting pressure uh, on Young. Still only bringing four, which was, you know, the part that really is like, this could have been a game where we really could have put the Panthers away early, I feel and it wouldn't have taken much like i said we were up if we're up 17 to 10 at halftime that's pretty much it with the way that our defense was was rolling it just would have been too much for the panthers to overcome and instead we were the ones from behind uh in the second half and or going into the second half i should say so yeah so a little bit more optimistic going into halftime because we were able to close the gap the defense was playing better, we held on that opening drive of the second quarter that ended uh, the first, and it just, it was looking better, but like I said, Iberflus is notoriously bad with the halftime adjustments, or the team is bad with the halftime uh, adjustments. They don't make the changes that they need to make, and it ends up hurting us, and it's cost us a few ball ballgames uh, this year. But uh, third quarter rolls around, and the game changes. We do get in the end zone. We do take the lead. And unbeknownst to me at the time, it was enough to get us a win over the Panthers. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Panthers, and we have rediscovered the end zone, ladies and gentlemen. A decent drive that we finally put together in the third quarter made it so that we're actually winning the game everywhere now because when I checked the stats at like about midway through the third quarter, we were winning the game everywhere except for on the scoreboard. We had double the first downs, double the passing yards, more than double the rushing yards. The only place they were winning statistically was we had four penalties, they had two. But they were winning 10-9 to nine because of the damn punt return, which turns out it was Amir Smith-Marset, the guy that cursed the Bears in that Vikings loss back in 2022. But uh, the Bears finally put a good drive together. Deontay Foreman finds the end zone from a few yards out to take the lead 16-10. to And the Bears' defense really has done well. Because if you take that punt return off the board, we're winning 16-3 to right now. But thanks to that one mistake made by the special teams, we're, it's only a one-score game as we go into the fourth quarter here. We're up 16-10. Carolina has the ball in Chicago territory because of a really bad punt from Trenton Gill and they showed the replay the ball didn't get tipped he wasn't under pressure he just shanked the hell out of the ball so the the Panthers have the ball right now in Chicago territory hopefully they don't get much more than a field goal out of this if they get anything because they're right there on that fringe where one bad play can knock them out of field goal range we're up 16 to 10 going into the fourth quarter let's hope we can hang on That that punt from Gil was really bad, and it was very uncharacteristic of him. He's a really good punter uh, for us. And like I said, I didn't have the full context of the broadcast because I was in uh, (laughs) – we went to Hooters, of all places. I haven't been to Hooters in years, man. It had been a really long time since I've been to a Hooters. Uh, But the Buffalo Wild Wings we were going to go to was absolutely – there was literally no place to park an hour before the game – uh, started so every you know everyone there had the same idea. My buddy and I did. Turns out there was a Hooters about two minutes down the street uh, from that. That was about half full when I got there, so that's where we ended up being for the game. But um, you know, like I said, I didn't have the full context of the broadcast. You couldn't hear the announcers in the restaurant uh, or anything, but uh, I, I didn't understand what the hell happened because I was you know chatting with my buddy at the time. And then I look up and and I see the the ball is at the forty. I was like, didn't we just punt? What happened? And it goes back, it's like, did he get tipped or something like that? You know, did at the very least it you know, they go for the block and they ran into him, something, and they showed the replay, and there was really nobody within striking distance of him, and he just put a bad boot put a bad foot on the ball. And it basically shot it straight up into the air. It wasn't so much that he shanked it or it came off his foot wrong. It, it was a moon ball that went straight up in the air and basically came straight back uh, down, giving the Panthers the ball at the bare 40-yard uh, line. Now, the Panthers did what bad teams do, and they got themselves penalized so that they were actually back in their own territory uh, at one point before they finally drove down, uh, and they didn't make a field goal uh, out of that to start the uh, fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, man, it's like this was the last thing that we needed right now. We were we're deep in our own territory. We're going to have a hard time flipping field position as it is. And then he kicks a 26-yard punt that gives them the ball at our 40-yard line. It's like, dude, this is, okay, this is the kind of stuff where it's just like, all right, here we are. We're already in striking distance, boys. Let's go. And thankfully, we're playing a one in seven team that uh, you know and is in in the midst of a season where they don't capitalize on things uh, like that. You know, granted they got points out of it, but they weren't ready. They weren't able to take full control uh, of it and use that short field against us and put points on the board. So that's that's kudos again to our defense for you know shutting down when it was necessary. They did get all the way to the twenty yard line before having to settle for that field goal but you know they were able to sink uh, to cinch in when it when it when it counted uh, to minimize the damage of that bad punt but Trenton Gill put us in a spot uh, with that kick uh for sure so but like I said the third uh, the third quarter uh was a better quarter for us we shut the Panthers out so no points uh, for them uh in that quarter and the touchdown drive, was eight plays, 38 yards uh, on that one. And it's just like, yeah, can't remember, you know, punt they with the Bears. Yeah, started in their own – we had the Panthers deep. They were punting from their own four-yard line. So the punter is actually standing like heels in the end zone uh, type thing on the punt. The Bears start at the 45, and I'm guessing there were some penalties in here somewhere where it says – Oh, it was a seven-yard return to the 38, so there you go. But, uh, yeah, but nine plays, 38 yards um, for it. You know, Foreman runs it in from uh, four yards out. You know, Bajen had one that could have been picked off in the end zone on first down. Uh, first and goal from the four, he tries to hit Mooney, and it kind of ricochets off of Mooney, so it really wouldn't have been on Bajen. Mooney should have caught it. But uh, when it banked off of him, it was one of those things where it kind of went up a little bit instead of going straight to the, uh, straight into the turf. And, uh, you know, it was one of those hold-your-breath moments where, you know, last year on Thursday when we played the Commanders, uh, f- Justin Fields skipped one off a defensive lineman's head that uh, ended up getting intercepted and killing a promising We were inside their five-yard line when that happened. And he skipped one off somebody's head, it gets picked off. You know, that game was such a disaster, man. Like four or five red zone trips, no points uh, out of uh, any of it. And uh, our one touchdown came on like a 40-yard throw from Fields to, I believe, Dante Pettis, of all people, uh, in that one. So, yeah, it was was interesting uh, for sure. But uh, like I said, we punched it in. That made it sixteen to ten, and it really just kind of seemed like an insurmountable thing uh, for the Panthers. They they went uh, that six plays, thirty yards on the next drive before having to punt again. Then the field goal drive after the bad Trenton Gill punt because that that drive for the Panthers really kind of served to um or was it yeah kind of served to flip the field. The Bears started their own eleven yard line. Uh, on that drive and, uh, you know, so a decent punt pinned us back deep. We go nowhere with it. And then the Trenton Gill punt did us no favors and they get the field goal, uh, to make it a three, three point game, uh, in the, uh, in the fourth quarter there. And, uh, thankfully we were able to, uh, to hold, uh, on defense. So let's go ahead and run that final, uh, knee jerk reaction. And we'll talk more, uh, about the end of this game. Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears-Panthers. And uh, Panthers made it interesting at the end to kick the field goal in at the start of the fourth quarter. And then here with about a minute 40 to go in the game, former Chicago Bear legend Eddie Pinero himself attempting a 59-yard field goal. And it was straight enough, but it was not long enough. It falls short. The Bears actually convert on third and seven. After the Panthers had uh, burned up their timeouts to ice the game, Deontay Foreman somehow false started on a kneel down, so the game was probably a play longer than a play longer than it needed to be. But nonetheless, we finished our kneel downs, and the Bears come away with a 16 to 13 victory over the Carolina Panthers. We moved to three and seven. I wonder how far this pushes us down on the uh, the draft board but beating Carolina pushes them up the board. So I think we're back in the number one spot since we own Carolina's pick next week, or next year, I should say. But hey, we got a win. It's a victory Friday, or Thursday into Friday. Y'all will be hearing this on Friday as the Bears move to 3-7 and seven with a win over Carolina. <laughs> so to answer my own question there, we do push Carolina back up to number five, number one, so we own the number one pick again. And we fall, for the time being, down to number five. So we have number one and number five because the Giants and the Patriots are both two lost teams, so we fall behind them because they have fewer wins than we have at the uh, at the moment. But, yeah, we're number one and number five. We get the Carolina's pick, pushes them back to number one, which may fall to number two if Arizona loses – uh, on Sunday. And I forget who they're playing Atlanta, so 50-50. That's uh the Pan, the the Falcons are kind of a mess uh right now. So I mean they 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 choked big time against the Falcons, against the Vikings on, you know, Josh Dobbs who literally joined the team like 2 days prior goes out there and leads the team to 28 points. Jesus. But uh, yeah, right here right now the Bears own number one and number five. We'll see where that all shakes out after this weekend. But uh, I would say that most likely the Bears will stay at number five um, behind the uh, behind the Giants and the uh, Patriots, who are the two win teams. Because I think they're both going to lose, uh, especially the Giants. They're playing the Cowboys in Dallas and the giants are about as wounded and busted up a football team as you can find uh right now. Um and who is New England playing? Not don't I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. I think they're going to lose this weekend uh as well. So it uh yeah. So I think for now at 5 is where the bears are going to stick at the moment and uh Carolina might fall to number 2 if Arizona loses to Atlanta uh this weekend. So Number one, number five, I'll take it. But talking about this, uh, this fourth quarter, like I said, the Panthers started it off finishing that drive that they started at the end of the third and were able to you know get it down to the 20. We cinched up in the red zone, forced the field goal from Eddie Panero uh, on that one. We went seven plays, 31 yards, ended up punting back to uh, the Panthers with about seven minutes to go uh, in, the, uh, in the quarter. Panthers starting at their own nine-yard line. So they had to go the length of the field, or a good majority of it, just to get into field goal range. And they really did just kind of dink and dunk their way uh, down the field. There was one moment in this drive that absolutely made me batshit crazy. And it's, it's one thing that I hate to see Especially in that situation, it was a third and one play. Okay, third and one, and Carolina is is trying to drive uh, down the field. They do a uh, like a play action rollout to the right side, and Brisker is right there. And instead, he like, there had to be a better way for him to have done this and still kind of done two things. Or done both things at the same time, where he could have held Bryce Young behind the line of scrimmage and he could have stayed in coverage. And instead, what he did was he turned his back to Bryce Young. And as soon as he turned his back, Young goes, you know, he just scrambles, gets the first down, extends the drive. And I literally, like, as soon as I saw Brisker turn his back, I was like, don't turn, you know, it's like, oh. And, if, you know, he runs and gets the first down. And that was early in that drive. This was a 15-play drive that Carolina put together. And thankfully, it didn't chew up more yardage uh, than it did because it's still, I mean, they started at their own nine-yard line. They only got to the Bear 41 before Panero uh, attempted that field goal. But it was like that was, that we could have iced the game earlier if, I mean, I don't know if, if we still make the play or maybe Young throws the ball downfield to an open receiver or or what have you but what happened there was preventable it was preventable or at least it could have been he would have been in a better position to make the play on young but he turned his back so he basically surrendered the yardage to Bryce Young so i just it, that made me crazy when i saw him uh do that uh, as well as brisker had played in this game that was the moment for me that kind of stuck out was uh was him you know, it was him, uh, you know, turning his back on on Young and basically just giving the first down to Carolina. Because literally the second he turns his back, Bryce Young breaks for the, for the line of scrimmage, gets the first down and steps uh, out of bounds. So it's possible we could have nipped that thing in the bud right then and there. And, you know, they were only at like their own 18-yard line at the time. They would have been punting it to us. We would have been... You know, either in great field position or near around uh, midfield, you know, maybe add another field goal uh, to the mix, really kind of put the game uh, out of reach. Now they have to score a touchdown uh, to, to, to beat us and, and everything, but instead Brisker turns his back, easily surrenders the yardage uh, to, the, uh, to Bryce Young, and the drive continues another 12 plays. And it really was kind of a dink and dunk thing, but they converted on fourth down uh, in this one twice. Twice they converted on fourth down. And then, uh, you know, we were able to, to slow them down at the 41-yard uh, line. Three, three plays from our 41, they weren't able to get the job done. And uh, Pinero comes out and attempted a 59-yard field goal. Now, if you guys remember... Eddie Pinero made himself a Chicago bear legend in 2019 when he hit a 58 yarder to win against the Broncos in week two uh, of 2019. But a, that was in that thin mile high air. And uh, this time he was doing it in Chicago where it's not a kicker's paradise. Cairo Santos should make the pro bowl for being as efficient as he is in soldier field. It's not an easy place to kick. And, this was Eddie Pinero trying to kick a 59-yard field goal in Chicago. That is madness. But, uh, you know, it was 4th and 10, so going for it on 4th and 10 wasn't really uh, an option at that point, especially with the way the offense, that is not exactly an offense that was chunking its way uh, down the field. Fourth, if it's 4th and 5, I believe wholeheartedly they go for it because they went for it on 4th and 1 and 4th and 2. I think if it's 5 and under, they're going for it. But it was 4th and 10. They were on the fringe of uh, of field goal range. They sent Pinero out there, didn't get it. And then uh, the Bears come out on the ensuing drive and were able to get the um, first down uh, on 3rd and 7. Bajent finds Darnell Mooney. And, uh, you know, the Panthers had used up their two final timeouts on 1st and uh, 2nd down which were, you know, a run by Foreman, uh, two runs by Deontay Foreman, third and seven. Bajent threads the needle, gets it to um, Mooney. They're out of timeouts. We got a fresh set of downs. That's the ball game. But Deontay Foreman somehow false started on a kneel down. Like I said, made the game one play longer than it needed to be. You know, bumping back about five yards. All right, we kneel it down. Now it's over with. Bears win. Um, We got 10 days to get ready for the Detroit Lions in Detroit. And as you guys know, this is not a game I'm looking forward to. And honestly, this is not the game that I want to see Justin Fields come back on. I wanted to see him tonight. Or last night, I should say. Uh, I wanted to see him on Thursday against the Panthers just as as a get-back game for him. Not so much a get-back where, like, he's going to go out there and throw for three fifty and four touchdowns or anything like that, but just I don't want him coming back to get beat up by that pass rush that the Lions have, you know? And with what I anticipate happening, we're going to get behind early against the Lions because they are a really good football team right now. We're going to get behind early, and we're going to have to throw more, which is going to put fields in harm's way and I don't I don't want to see that happen to him. I don't. So cuz with that thumb injury, he might not be 100% for like another few weeks as far as being 100% healthy, no injuries, no nothing. He's probably on the cusp of being ready to play now. You know, like if this game against Carolina was playing was being played on Sunday, I have no doubt Justin Fields plays on Sunday. None whatsoever with an extra three days to get ready yeah i think he plays for sure on sunday because he was practicing he was throwing uh this week they just decided to uh, you know they didn't clear him yet and hold him out for one more game 10 days to get ready for the lions is nice but man that's not the game that i want to see him come back on i wanted it to be this one so hopefully it works out hopefully it'll be fine but uh yeah, like I said, not how I wanted to see that uh happen for him. So, you know, like I was like I talked about in that third quarter knee jerk reaction, the Bears statistically dominated uh this game. 21 first downs to 12. Uh we were 6 for 15 on third down whereas the Panthers were 3 for 15 on third down. We ran 70 plays to their 57. We had 295 yards total offense. They had 213. Uh, we had 11 drives. They had nine. Um, they did win passing. Bryce Young had a 170 to Bajon's 162, but we nearly tripled them up. In uh, We did triple them up in rushing. We only allowed 43 yards while running for 133 of our own, and we had a seven-minute time of possession uh, advantage uh, over Carolina. The only thing I said, the, like I said, the only thing that was missing was a turnover and if that defensive t- that special team's touchdown never happens, this is a 16-6 cakewalk for the Bears. That's how, the, that's how well the defense uh, played. And they added three sacks uh, to the mix uh, as well. Probably should have had them about once or, one or two more times uh, during the game. But um, Justin Jones, Yannick Ngakwe, and Rasheem Green were the three that got the sacks in. Montez Sweat didn't get a sack yet, but he had A-pressure's in the game. And he's one of the best in the league at that. I, I saw a stat uh, on Twitter last night that said Montez Sweathead had, had the eight pressures, giving him like forty five for the season, which puts him in the top five of the entire NFL for pressuring the quarterback, which is almost as important as sacking the quarterback, is is pressuring and affecting the pocket, which means he's gotta improvise. He might have to move up and you know that kind of thing. Montez Sweat had eight of those against the Panthers uh, last night. So uh, very good job for him. He will close the deal at some point and get his first sack as a bear. But but 43 yards rushing, He was. he's also known as a solid run defender. He had a hand in that uh, as well. So um, maybe it's not so much that he was affecting the stat sheet, but he affected the game very much like Ju- Juliet, And I'm not making the comparison, so everybody calm down. But there were a lot of things, like when Julius Peppers was on the team, he did a lot of things that you won't see on the stat sheet, but that affected the game, and that was very much the kind of game that Montez Sweat had last night. So, yeah, missed opportunities though. We should have had two interceptions. Tyreek Stevenson had one, and then Jack Sanborn had one. That was it. When it was, it had to be exactly like I'm sure they're watching film today in Hallis Hall, there's going to be that moment that they're watching where Floos is going to be like, this is exactly why. This is exactly how I drew this up. Because you see at the snap of the ball, when they showed the end zone view, the snap of the ball, Sanborn actually fakes the blitz. Like he makes uh, you know, a couple of steps towards the line of scrimmage and then drops back. And when he stepped to the line of scrimmage, he basically came out of, was no longer in Bryce Young's view. Now he's looking... Upfield and he had a crossing route coming over the middle. And as Sanborn dropped back, he stepped right into the throwing lane. And he it literally hit him in the hands and he didn't come down with it. It's like that's like you gotta have that. You gotta make that play. You have to make that play. Um Stevenson, he just flat out dropped it. It was one of those that it got through his receiver's hands and hit him in the hands, and he didn't come down with it. Sanborn was far more egregious. That one, that's exactly how the defensive coordinator drew that one up. He put you in the perfect spot to make a play on that play, and you didn't come down with it. It's like that's one Sanborn's going to wish he had back for the rest of his career. But, uh, yeah, because those moments don't come around often. He had a golden opportunity there. I mean, who knows what happens, you know, when he has the football in his hands and and everything. Could there have been enough of a blockade in front of him that he makes – good progress or, God forbid, even scores a touchdown. But we'll never know because he didn't come down with it. So, anyway, guys, that's all we got for the review. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with Bear Up, Bear Down. Bear Up and Bear Down for week number 10. Let's start with our Bear Ups. We got uh, Bear Up, Matt Eberflus, our defensive play caller. An outstanding job of, uh, you know, getting the defense I mean, you just heard me talking about, you know, putting Sanborn in that, in that great spot to, uh, to make that defensive uh, or to make that play. Didn't come down with the interception, but he was in the right spot at the right time, and I'm sure that's how it was written up or drawn up, uh, you know. But also, I got to give a bear down to Iberflus for not going after Young, for not producing more pressure, not being aggressive. Uh, in, 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 a, in a This was a perfect opportunity to do that. You know, it's like Bryce Young's not a bad quarterback, and he's not going to be a bad quarterback, but he's playing on a very bad football team right now, or at least a football team that is playing badly. And you got to take advantage of that. you got to do something that's going to ruffle feathers, that's going to get them pressuring. You heard Rashad Beard talk about it in the preview. He gets happy feet. He starts seeing ghosts and starts making bad plays. Does it always lead to turnovers? No, but it can. It can. It is a recipe for disaster when the quarterback gets nervous. So, you know, especially when it's something that's kind of been building throughout the season, you know, when, when it's, it starts out one way and then it's just like it's, it's an epidemic and he's always under pressure or he, he, when he sees the signs of it, he gets panicky and he make bad throws. So there wasn't enough of that from Eberflu, so I got to give you both. A bear up because the defense played outstanding, only gave up six points, you know just a little over two hundred yards uh total offense uh you know it really would have been nice if Tyreek and uh you know Sanborn come up with those interceptions we're talking probably about a much different game if we finally do get those turnovers, but otherwise, the defense was outstanding would have really loved to see a little bit more aggression to go after bryce young, but he's he's just too content to sit back and on sitting back on his heels, just send four and leave the rest to the to the secondary in the in the in the back seven. It's like I'm I'm not a fan. We're not getting after the quarterback enough. We're just not doing it. So bear up and bear down to Matt Eberfloos on that one. Uh bear up Deontay Foreman. Twenty one carries, eighty yards and the one touchdown uh for the Bears and just under four yards uh a carry uh in this one but definitely our best runner uh of the day uh for the uh Bears helped us to 133 yards of rushing uh, in this one. And uh, kind of a little bit of revenge game for him too since Carolina was his last stop. Uh, He was their lead back after uh, uh, McCaffrey got traded uh, to the 49ers uh, last year. Uh, Bear up Montez Sweat. You guys heard me mention it before. Eight quarterback uh, pressures. So that's not really something you're going to see on the stat sheet, but he definitely made his presence felt uh, in this one uh, and opened up the doors for Rasheem Green, Justin Jones and Yannick and to get after the quarterback and actually get uh, some sacks uh, in this one. Uh, bear up to Brisker and Gordon, uh, and more so for their tackling than their coverage in this one. Brisker and Gordon made tackles for loss in this one, you know, coming up through shooting through the line of scrimmage to make tackles behind the line. Uh, and everything great job from from brisker and gordon our two second round picks from uh last season um brisker returning from the uh, concussion that kept him out of the game against the the saints uh on sunday and and kylo gordon really starting to get into a stride after missing f- about four or five games with that hand injury earlier on uh in the season uh bear up cairo santos three field goals in this one the majority of the points scored for our beloved Chicago Bears including a 54 yard field goals like his three field goals and the extra point gives him 10 points uh, on the day and uh, efficient as always and if he had to kick a 59 yarder he would have had the leg to do it unfortunately Eddie Panero cuz he hit the 54 yarder going in the same direction that Panero was kicking the 59 yarder and I think he would have had enough leg to make it from 59 if he absolutely had to I mean it was originally supposed to be a 49 yard kick but we I guess false started or something like that and pushed it back to 54 he hits it again boom no problem Uh, and everything and I think that that definitely had the leg to make it from 59 if he had to so yeah bear up to Santos Uh, two more bear downs and we'll wrap this thing up bear down Trenton Gill (sighs) You had a chance to make the tackle on the punt return. And uh, I don't know what the hell happened on that moon ball where we only got a 26-yard punt when we really needed to uh, do our best to, to flip field position at least a little bit. But uh, no, you give it the ball, our own 40-yard line, the defense had to bail you out of uh, that one. Very uncharacteristic bad day uh, for Trenton Gill uh, in those two spots uh, there. It's like you can't fault him for the actual punt on the punt return because we had chances to make tackles on that play. It just didn't happen. He was the last line of defense, and, you know, I know punters aren't known for the tackling, but it was a pretty piss-poor attempt at getting uh, Amir uh, Smith-Marset, who just keeps finding new and different ways to screw over the Bears. (laughs) And uh, that that last punt at the end of the one, that's that's the one that kind of pushed me over. And then finally, bear down, George McCaskey. And let me tell you why. Number one, he's just a crappy owner. You know, he's the one leading the ship right now. And we haven't had done a damn thing since this guy took over in 2011. Fires uh, Jerry Angelo, brought in the genius that was Phil Emery, uh, and, you know, the, what, four coaching hires that he's made since then. Uh, Mark Tressman, Matt Nagy, or excuse me, Mark Trestman, John Fox, Matt Nagy, and now Matt Eberflus. Whew. We got, we got to get that guy out of there. He's awful. But mostly because he's the one responsible for the orange helmets. I heard that was his idea. So, yeah. Screw that, man. Screw you and the goddamn orange helmets. I hope we never see them again. I know that we will, but please just give us the throwbacks. Instead of that abomination, give us the throwbacks. Because we at least still look like the Bears in the throwbacks. I don't know. You know, like I was rooting for the Chicago pumpkins last night on, on national TV. It's just, it's just so bad, just so bad. And that's how we're going to end this show. It's a happy victory episode, but, uh, you know, yeah. Screw George McCaskey and the goddamn orange helmets, but we get a win. We get a little bit of a rest. I'm on a, uh, I'm on a mini buy myself. We'll be back on Tuesday with the week 10 review for, the fourth phase and then we'll close the book on week 10 get ready for week number 11 and the player and the bears bloodbath uh in detroit uh next sunday and uh you know hopefully it won't be as ugly as i fear it can be because i mean if it's anything like the game that we played in detroit last year yeah it's gonna be a uh, body bag kind of game uh in this one so anyway enjoy the weekend. You know, your your bearless weekend. Do whatever you want with your Sunday. I'm going out to the movies. I'm going to see the Marvels uh, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, enjoy the day. And uh, we'll see you here back on Tuesday for the fourth phase to wrap up week number 10. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bearstalk Underground.